Oh, when the post-game podcast ends, the post-podcast podcast begins. And tonight, has Cam Thomas officially played himself out of the starting rotation? We dive in on that question and all the fan reactions coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Marmbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And Doug, yes, the Brooklyn Nets beat the Detroit Pistons two games in a row. Yes, they helped set the single-season 27-game losing streak. And yet, there still is this turmoil around the starting lineup. And the question really does come down to, is Cam Thomas the problem in this starting five? I don't think he's the problem. I just think that's what's going to change. And so I would okay. like, so at the beginning, you said, did he play his way out of the starting lineup? I actually don't think he's done anything to play his way out of the starting lineup. And that's why I was hesitant even last, when we talked about the the the, the starters, hesitant to sort of say who the problem was, because I actually don't think there is any definitive who is the problem. I just think it's that five-man combination is the problem. It's not that, there's one person in there that I think is definitively worse than the other the other four. I think mm-hmm. it's more that 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 group just doesn't have any juice. And at some and this and I think this is at the heart of why it's probably not been changed is because it's not so obvious about who should change out of the group. Do you? But well, go ahead and then I'll say the Cam Thomas thing uh, because <clears throat> on the one hand I agree with you because again isolated. Cam Thomas and his development really matters. And we've seen him take big steps forward this year as well. And that's a great thing. But it is it is at least a little bit hard to deny what the numbers tell you about a starting five that has Dorian Finney-Smith in it and not Cam Thomas well, right. and the one that has it in it. Now, that doesn't mean that a more dramatic change, not just Cam Thomas, but maybe multiple players, right? Maybe you need to mix this up in a much bigger way to create a different formula that works for them. But that is the one variable, and I, I I think it's unfortunate that it falls to Cam Thomas because, to your point, these aren't bad individual players, but when you put these guys together, it doesn't seem to work. Yeah, this group doesn't work, and, and there is a group where you put Dorian Finney-Smith in instead of Cam Thomas, and that group does seem to work. I, like That's the only reason, to me, it seems like that would be the move. Now, I do think a couple of things are unfair when it comes to Cam. One all these other guys have played a lot more minutes and are just probably have just more court time. Right. So it's going to be easier. Like they just, they have, they've been able to develop like Cam Thomas is it's been starts and stops with this guy because of how the nets have sort of treated him over the last couple of years leading into this year where the playing time was incredibly inconsistent. There was no, he never knew when he was playing on a, a night to night basis. And there was no like real clear linear development. That's not really, that's not his fault. Like that's the, that's on the coaching staff. They, they, they've done a bad job with this. I know. But do you no think we're beyond it. that now though? Like we're beyond that now, as far as like he, now he is playing and he is getting consistent minutes. Yeah. I was just saying he's playing catch up compared to the rest of the guys. Sure. Like, compared sure, to the sure. rest yeah. of the, like compared to the rest of the guys in the starting lineup who like have just been on the court for years and years and years. And, and oh, by um, the way, you could have played him all 27 games last year, even though we know that was the five man line that got the good sample size. You could have done so much more with Disaster. him a year ago of to course. move this timeline ahead, right? 
And we said it last year, total disaster. They yep. just like kind of they kind of benched them all throughout the second half of the season when it was definitively the time to play them. Yep. And they didn't. And now we're just and now we're in this again a weird spot with him. Now I think that whether at this point, whether I think it's right or wrong, like I I can go either way. I really could honestly go either way with this one. I think what we saw tonight, like closing that game where he didn't even sniff the game, like for the clo- for for most of the I think the whole fourth quarter, maybe. And they closed and won that game with guys that Vaughn clearly wants to play, like mm-hmm. Dorian Finney Smith, like right, specifically. Um, I think that we're gonna see a change going into Milwaukee where they have some big guys in that lineup in Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And I think that like we saw and I think they're just gonna make it. I think they're gonna make a change. And maybe they'll do it under the guise of, hey, we gotta deal with Giannis. Right, and right. we gotta put another big body in there. And DFS has been good against him in the past, and there'll be stuff like that. And I think we'll see, and I think we'll see the change. Like, and I think that this fourth quarter sort of signaled that to me. What is what do you think it is then? Because we talked about Jock Vaughn's unwillingness to want to play young players, or he wants to go with the veteran guys from a coaching perspective. I can understand I want to go with the guys that have the experience, and I can probably lean on a little bit more to say this is what we want to execute and trust that it's going to get from A to B as effectively as possible. I I don't want to say that Jock Vaughn is against playing Cam Thomas. But I think that at a minimum, he may have a different idea about how he would develop Cam Thomas. Now, that can't come at the cost of him playing minutes, right? It can't be like last year where he didn't see the court. But is that the disconnect? Is it that Sean Marks drafted him in the first round, drafted Dayron in the first round, and he's at the point now where he's saying it is now their time? Because if that's the case, then the disconnect here is simply that Jock Vaughn feels like he's coaching for his credibility. Whereas Sean Marks in the organization might be saying, we're, co- we're we're planning for what this looks like beyond this iteration of the team, right? I mean, that, that's the simple solution here. Why play two veterans in Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal as much as you do if you feel like you have job security and the ability to say, more Cam Thomas, closing Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas at the point guard. Like, let's go in that direction. I, I, I really do, do just wonder, what is being tasked to Jock Vaughn? And is it maybe an impossible task? Develop Cam Thomas, but also win basketball games. Well, sorry, I can't do both those things simultaneously. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I it's, it's the most confusing situation. I don't know what the deal is. It probably is like that. It's like you're supposed to. They're given two different sets of marching orders here, and those marching orders for most teams don't line up like this, right? Which right. is like develop and and win at the same time. I mean, they should though. I, like you should be able to do both in parallel. But for whatever reason, Vaughn doesn't seem to be able to. I, like, and they just there's been no there's been no signal that they want to. And I don't know if it's like just a cam thing, but they don't play the young, other young guys either. Like, you know, I, this Brendan is not fair. You something, but he doesn't come into the, come into games nearly as much as at least he should, even on a small level. Dariq Whitehead and Noah Clowney have played the least minutes of any first round draft pick this year. Right. Like, which by close. the way, except, go back to the, except draft, for Kobe Bufkin, I, except for Kobe Bufkin, who's been hurt every yeah. single other, every single other, for, I, I looked this up specifically today. Every single other first round pick, has played like at least 50 minutes this year. And those two guys haven't. And it's not shocking at all. But it's just like, and they're su- they're the youngest of the group too. So there's like some other built-in stuff here. All yeah. right, we'll get into, there's a bunch of other stuff here to talk about um, that we I, we definitely want to hit. Um, we're going to do that here in a second. First, I'll tell you about our friends over at, uh, oh yeah, we'll talk about our friends over here at game time. Look, we talked about this earlier, but buying tickets right now, if you, 
are going to the sports event, if you're going to the comedy show, if you're going to the theater, you want the ticket buying experience to be very, very easy. You don't want to be frustrated. You want to see what you're going to see right when you sit down. You want to know that you're getting the best deals around. You want to know you're getting flash deals as well. You just want the experience to be very easy because what you're doing is fun. And that's the whole entire point. And that's what you get when you get over at game time. Like I said, they have the best price guarantee. You're going to Find the very best tickets for whatever it is you're looking for. And it's so easy to get started with Game Time. All you do with Game Time is you download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. So as we continue our post pod pod episode and welcome in everybody over on the live stream, we'll get into your questions as well. I do just want I'll throw this one up one real quick because it's it's a little bit of a dig, but also a lot of fun. Do you think Detroit will hang the banner now for most losses? Listen, you celebrate whatever you can. Records are records. That's what I say. If LeBron James and the Lakers are hanging up the in-season tournament, why not you, Detroit? Go for it. The one note I will say on the young players, and this is why I think it becomes even more confusing is if you are the organization, you're Sean Marks, so you draft a couple of very young players, one with an injury history, one that's going to need more time to develop, okay, fine, and you think about them as being a little bit longer term. But then you want to win games, but you also want to play Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, right? Like, the, I, I just, it feels, and we said this all along the way, that the Nets are constantly trying to do multiple things, and they never line up together. It just, it never works this way. Either you're, Playing young players, maybe like Detroit, and you're losing a lot of games, but you know what that leads to. You think, you hope, you know what it leads to. Or you're playing with the veterans, and you want to win basketball games, and you're making tough decisions about trading some young players to make this team better. Instead, the Nets are going to do this thing, I think, where it's just we're around 500, and we're going to try to get a little bit above 500, and hopefully we'll be in the playoffs. And that's that's good enough for us. And everything else is going to be frustrating, including the trades they do or don't make when it comes to the deadline. Yeah, it's just it's a really frustrating situation. I actually don't know. I, and I we've said it before. It's an impossible spot to be in if the if you're being asked to do two separate things. The Nets have to win games, but they really because they don't have draft picks. But they also need to like make sure they you know secure some long term assets with whatever they have. The only way to do that is to play these guys and let them go through the hard times. And sometimes you have teams that are given a lot of rope with this stuff, and sometimes you're not. Like it just it, it's it's tough. But it doesn't. It, it's always. It's never felt like with Cam too specifically that they've want he's wanted to do it, right? Like I like and 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 that just doesn't that's that's not even a hot take. It's just that the guy has barely played. Like and the if you the anti Cam Thomas camp can make a, a sort of compelling case for why I suppose not really, but like it's just the weirdest situation. I, I just don't I don't know. But I what do you, real quick do you think? Next game, do you think he's going back to going back to the bench? Because it's the Bucks and the matchup also dictates it. I'll say yes, but but again, Denver was a perfect opportunity to do it too, and they didn't do it right. So i I think it's sh- it, I think that is what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, and I don't know if it should be happening. But but I will say one thing, not in defense of, but as we've also said, this team is the byproduct of the trades. So this is not the perfect version of we're putting together our team and constructing these rosters, these rotations, and we went out and plucked all the key pieces. We took the best things that we could get trading Kevin Durant and trading Kyrie Irving. And in that, there is also a facet this where it's like, well, what would be the best backcourt mate for Cam Thomas, right? We don't have them. 
So, and we can't just get them. And by the way, when you go and look at those lineups we were talking about earlier, five-man lineups, well, guess what? As bad as it is when Cam Thomas is in the current lineup right now with those five guys, you go down to, and there's not a lot of big sample sizes for starters, starting five-man units for this Nets team. But if you go down and put, oh, guess what? Ben Simmons into that starting yeah. lineup. They played four games in 48 minutes together. And it was a 124-101. And we talked about that a long time ago, where Ben Simmons is a great guy to have in the backcourt with Cam Thomas. Those guys work really well together. So there is a part of it, too, where I, I don't want to just make it about Jock Vaughn doesn't want to play Cam Thomas. I think it, it it's the both and. He, he wants to develop him. There's a, an issue in these lineup constructions. And at a minimum, putting veterans out to kind of go through the slog, that's maybe not as bad as putting out your young player that you probably do want to get to that place where he could be one of the future core members, future leaders of this team. Yeah, I, like I said, we'll get to some comments here. We start yeah. a bunch of uh, start a bunch of these from people that are hanging out on YouTube live. So um, this is a tough spot. I, I don't really have a great answer here. Um, I wish I did. I know some people are resolute with what they think the definitive right answer should be. I that's harder for me to see um, as it being like oh. clear as day. Yeah. Like I, I just don't. It's just not clear as day to me. And so, um, and I yeah, I don't know. This one, this one's a weird one. Okay, yeah, we'll hit some of these. Uh, we'll hit some. Really appreciate everyone here. Tons of people here on YouTube um, and much appreciated to everyone that's jumped in here following the W uh, of Pistons. If you just, by the way, real quick, the last one, if you just jumped into YouTube here, yeah. uh, we we're, we're in like minute 45 of this. So um, make sure you go back and start from the beginning because we cover all the positives around the, the win and, and all that other stuff. Now we're going in a different direction, which is from uh, Gara locked on nets. Who comes out of the starting lineup? Either of the camps. Also who goes in DFS? I, I just, I'm dovetailing this on. Cause you said, I, and I agree with you. It's not so black and white or just so simple as one or the other. Now the Dorian Finney Smith in the starting lineup makes sense. I also think that a cam Johnson out of the starting lineup as well is, is, is an acceptable possibility here. I do wonder about not about what they will do, but what they could do of saying cam cam Johnson out. Dorian Finney-Smith in, let him play still with Cam Thomas in the starting lineup and see if that looks different because Dorian Finney-Smith is a different type of player to have out there with with that lineup instead of even Cameron Johnson. But that comes back to the the key faces of that trade and maybe just not being able to or willing to do that from a a optic standpoint, which would be the worst reason to not make a change like that. Yeah. And and by the way, too, like with with tonight's game, it's even weirder because it's like Cam was like fine, like he had scored pretty efficiently. Right. Like he was not, it wasn't like he was having some kind of bad game. Uh, he was seven for 13 from the field, three or four for the line. From the field. Right. What's that? Oh, what I said, yeah, seven, seven for 13 for the field. Right. So like 17 points in 23 minutes, efficient scoring. It wasn't like he had the four fouls. So maybe that was like an excuse to get him out of there. Just real but quick, 20, him, 24 points for Cam Johnson. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're doing Cam Thomas. I apologize. I, I was doing Cam. Yeah, Thomas I went back to Cam Thomas, but I was yeah. going to, and I was going to say Cam, I said, that's what I was saying. It was weird that they benched him here. Then you go to Cam Johnson because you're like, oh, we'll move him out of the starting lineup. It's like, he was nine for 13 for 24 points tonight. Right. <laughs> right? So it's like, right. it's, it's not like, again, this is where it always ends up being so weird with these guys. It's just, the whole thing is weird. It's just it's so unclear what to do. I don't. I still am going to go back to the Cam Thomas not playing at all here is weird. It's just weird. It's I know that like they kind of took him out and maybe they were riding some hot hand stuff here, but just to not go back to him at all is is off. One other thing too about it, though, and we've seen this the last few games, like the offense for defense, the use of timeouts, getting guys in during free throw scenarios, right? Like we've seen Jock Vaughn struggle in those moments too, where there there are clear cut opportunities to use a timeout to adjust your lineup, to use it after you've had a foul and they have you know the, the opposition at the line, and he hasn't quite gotten there either. We went back and talked about. 
the box out going back to the Denver game against Murray where, oh, is Thomas too dedicated to trying to help on the Joker on the rebound? And that's why it's a long one and it gets to Murray. Well, okay, yeah, he needs to stay at home on that. Also, he shouldn't even have to be in there to get that. You should have, you should switch up the lineup there for the rebound, utilize a timeout, reset yourself offensively. So it does seem like Vaughn is maybe simplifying things to say, there's the closing lineup and we're going with it at both ends as opposed to trying to go one for the other. And, and there are samples, there are games where you say, you take out one for the other and you don't get the chance to adjust back. And then Thomas gets stuck out there defensively or vice versa. Your offensive lineup lacks the firepower. You need maybe to close a gap in a game as well. Let's go to uh, Nader. You, you threw this one up here, Doug. Uh, in thir 30 games in, what tier would you put the Nets in? Potential four to six seed play-in team. If we're picking between these two, Doug, I'm going to say play-in oh, rather than yeah. four to six. Um, now I do like, again, I've said I think there's worlds where they can sniff that six seed. Like that was my start of the year goal for them. The recent run is it's cooled me off a little bit here. But I like I still think they could like sniff the six seed potentially, mostly because the East still has gettable teams there. But there's no way, you know, out of the two, they're clearly a playing team before they're an entrenched five, six seed. Oh, they're not, they're not a five, six seed. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're even gonna sniff that this season. I, I think that they're gonna fight here for the nine and ten seed. And hope that Atlanta like starts to call no hope here because like Cleveland's going to keep trying. They've pretty much signaled that. And they're, they've been sort of like, okay ish, even without some of these guys in the lineup Pacers um, went through a little bit of a downstretch, but they're going to be okay. Bulls have played so much better without Zach Levine. Yep. And, that was I, the other one, and, and they won again tonight. And they're another one where it was like kind of looking like they were dead. And then Levine gets hurt. And there was like, oh, we got some life. Like these guys are actually Kobe White's been awesome. So yep. I think that Nets, I mean, Nets are never sniffing the four to six seed for sure. I can bet a massive amount of money on that one. And then um, I think they're going to be fighting for this nine, 10 spot most of the rest of the season. I hate to like give them the slot that they have now because I think things change, but this is hard to see. This It's hard to tell yourself a story where they get so much better than any team above them. It's also hard to tell a story where they get so much worse than the teams below them. All right. So well, I yeah. think that, I think this is just kind of where they belong, like right here at nine and 10. Yeah. And I, I like uh, oh, ever the optimist, I would push them like into the eight and seven conversation just because Cleveland's dealing with their injuries, et cetera. But again, another week from now, another sample size. And we'll, we'll know, I think it's only going to get clearer here, kind of what this team is and whether or not some guys round into form. Uh, con comes in with, do you think uh, that the Nets are all reading the same forums we are, Cam T supporters versus non-believers? Um, do I think the Nets are reading the forum? I don't understand the question. Did I, yeah, I, well, I, I think I started you, you this. You started this one, so. Yeah, my bad. Okay, so do I think the team reads into, like, what the media or whatever says yeah, about the team? I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I know I'm the one that started this. Um, the, I think they're aware of certain things. I really think they probably don't care. Uh, it'd be is my very, and I know that fans probably never want to hear that, but I don't think they care. <laughs> like, right. I, don't, I, I think they concerned. care. You know what they about, care about? Did you buy a ticket? Fantastic. Yeah. I think they care. I mean, they clearly care about winning or losing and making decisions like that. Or if it gets so egregiously bad, like what's the piston stuff? Cause you're going to really start worrying about the bottom line. Do I think they care about like people that support a player? Uh, no. And I, and I, by what I think, when I say how much do they care, I would say 0. 0.0. Oops. I would say 0. Uh, 0. 0.0%. So I, by mistake, brought this up here. I don't know how to do that. I think they don't care at all. And I think that if you think they do, then you are not, it's not a rational thought. 
So, yeah, the the, um, the the fan the fans pushing the narrative or decision making process of a team is unlikely to be to be. It's not. It's not unlikely. It's not. It's not at all. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> like, yeah, not, 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 not likely to be relevant to the organization. Uh, Lecky also here with what are the chances of looking at getting Donovan Mitchell? Uh, because I know other teams are looking at a situation with Cleveland. I don't think that he's. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Like Doug was just mentioning they're playing a little bit better. They're dealing with the injuries. I, again, for every time that you think another team is going to sell a guy off, now things could change here. But look at the again. Are they going to go win a championship this year? No, they're seventeen and thirteen. Like they're right there to go in towards the sixth seed. And you have Donovan Mitchell. You have one of the better players. And we talked about this last week. The the price point on Donovan Mitchell alone would probably be too much. And I know we also have an, another discussion coming up about making a particular type of move in a different direction. But I, you'd have to be all in on Donovan Mitchell and another player, in my opinion, to make it worth it to get him or somebody else. Because the Nets are two players away from really making an impact on the standings. Yeah, agreed. I don't think that I, I just don't think this is the route they're going to end up going. And I, I do think, too, that like the Suns, like this this possible Suns implosion here um, is going to make the way they really rethink about these picks. I'm not sure exactly, but like it's going so bad for the Suns here that those picks just look better and better. But it's like sort of I mean, it's still so it's so many years out too. it's like can't really bank on like them being bad now it means the 2029 pick is like some sick, sick number one pick. So I don't think you should do that math, but it is, it has gone worse quicker. It has gone way worse quicker than I think most people thought it was going to. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. So I think that probably changes the equation. Yeah. I was interesting to me about like, it's not like, it's not, it's not the first round pick next year for, you know, say it goes so bad this year for the Suns. It's not next year. You still have to wait a couple of years. And if you're a desperate team, like the, like the Suns are, they'll make another move. They'll make another decision. The old, and, I really do wonder, man, what's going to happen there with Kevin Durant and like the way that it's being reported about him and Bradley Beal not being available and just everything else. Like it just Kevin Durant's journey has taken a lot of twists and turns. And there is certainly a narrative to be built around the way that he responds to how things are going or not going. I mean, he's going to be his fifth team. If he doesn't finish with the Suns, he'll, he'll play on five teams by the time his career's over. It's just insane. That's not no, that's no, after four, four teams. This is fourth. Oh, if he, oh, if he does, no, yeah, oh, if he, he goes, if he moves game. on again, yeah. Like if this isn't the final stop and he wins something here and they don't, you know, make and they don't make it happen, but to hear narratives of like he's not satisfied with the sporting cast, it's like, well, this is what and the Nets went through this too. It's not, it's not even on him necessarily, but this is what happens. You give up everything, you go get Kevin Durant, and then it's on him and that starting lineup to get the job done. And unfortunately, you're going to have a he very complete, depleted bench unit. He completely mailed it out on Christmas. Um, okay, got a couple more here. It says watch Jacques Vaughn take Cam Thomas out of the starting lineup. So Mikhail and Cam Johnson, one-dimensional, uh, one-dimensional guys. Uh, can, can, can be, <laughs> I was going to verbalize that one. Yeah, whoops. Can be the guys. Um, I do think he's going to take Cam Thomas out of the starting lineup. Um, and I think that he might have gotten saved that Cam Johnson had his best game here from a narrative standpoint. Not saying it's correct, but do think I, 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 well, I would just very quickly say, too, there's a world where Thomas gets taken out of the starting lineup. Dorian Finney-Smith goes in. That lineup plays very well because the sample size is good. And Cam Thomas is also highly successful in the bench unit. And while you may want him to be starting, it can still work out in a very positive way. Like as long as Cam Thomas ends up playing 30 plus minutes a night and getting real opportunities, all that good stuff, then like I'm not I'm not going to care as much as some are going to about him being in the starting lineup or being in the bench unit. As long as the minutes are there, as long as the opportunities are there for him, then I think the development is, you know, is still going in the right direction, at least in the short term. 
Uh, Ian Card said, "Did JV rest Cam Thomas for tomorrow's back to back against the Bucks?" Uh, no, he got. I back. like that. I like. I like. But I do <laughs> like the optimism now. No, he was. He got conveniently taken out because Vaughn probably was desperate to win, and doesn't think that Cam Thomas like is an elevator. I am not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that that is seems to be the case here. That he does not want to play this. He just doesn't want to play him. Um, and that is. I, I don't. So no, I don't think there was any rest factor. Uh, here. Oh, this is a good one. This is getting off the Cam Thomas thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there ever a situation where you think Sharp and Claxton can play to get on the court together? I do not, but they both played so well that they both deserve to play. <laughs> I think that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But in terms of sharing the court, no, there'd be no spacing. They neither of them can shoot. So you can't have two, you can't have two non-floor spacers like this that can't do other things. And so um, no, I they cannot play together. And this is why you never see Harry Giles play play either, is because right, these guys can't ever play. Because they can't play with each other. Anyway, what are you gonna say? No, no. I, well, I was just gonna say that like there, there's there's been a clamoring, and depending on where you're reading, some people inside the chat. Yeah, I've seen some people talk about it. It's like that that are clamoring for Dayron Sharp to continue to grow in his role and and the impending maybe departure of Nicholas Claxton. It's like they're they're ready to see Dayron Sharp settle into a a number one role for the Brooklyn Nets inside of the starting unit potentially, which I just find fascinating. I will say that in the last like week or so, I've also noticed that Nicholas Claxton has done a lot more rebounding and then starting the transition. Yeah. And some of it some of it's been it looked a little clunky. There's been times where he took, took the ball tonight. He went coast to coast, settled down to the low post, spin move up at the basket. Like those little things like that, we I think we've talked so much about Dayron and about Cam Thomas. But Claxton is still developing areas of his game and, and on ball handling and just being able to move the ball up the court. That that matters, especially if you are primarily a non-shooter as he is. Uh, Dwayne came in with, do you see a change in the way Mikhail Bridges shoots the ball? I see a hitch in his shot that wasn't there last year, and it looks like it's affected his shot in a negative way. I haven't noticed that, but have you noticed that on his shot? No, I haven't noticed it. I, just, I, I brought this up to say that I have not noticed this. Um yeah. I but think he like pauses I'll, the top. He he pause, He's always paused at the top of his release, but especially in the mid range too, when he's like waiting for that defender to come down a little bit and give him that open look. Yeah, but uh, I, I haven't noticed like a no. I've not noticed like a, a change in his shot now. Last looks, everybody. Anybody got one last thing they want to get into? Obviously, it is a back to back for the Nets, so they'll go against the Bucks. Always a good spot for Brooklyn to go from playing Detroit to getting over uh, and taking on the Bucks. We'll see if there's a lineup change there. We'll be back on the post game for that. Um, but I know. Oh, and by the way, I do have an interesting. We uh, we've said this last week, but just as a reminder, Doug had the only scenario where you would trade Mikhail Bridges which opens up a broader discussion about what to do with assets. We've mentioned the Suns picks and all those good things. It's been starting to get a little bit of traction around the internet. So Doug and I need to hop on this one quickly because it is effectively Doug's brainchild, but people have been inside it in between his ears and they're stealing some of his thunder. Yeah. Okay. Much appreciate everyone that jumped in here. We're going to get out of here and get the podcast posted up. Um, we will be back live following the Bucks game on Wednesday evening too. So we'll be back in here, YouTube live, win or loss, no matter what, seeing uh, what happens after they face Giannis and the Bucks, hopefully a W. See if we get a starting lineup change. I'm sure there'll be tons to talk about. No matter what, I'm about the uh, in, in that one actually. <laughs> make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube as well. There is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the story. Frank Herbert. Oh, one of the from Dune. Uh, he's still alive too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Day.